There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. My guest for this episode is Zach Mefford, uh, CEO and founder of Zip Bonds and Man, we are going to get nuanced and niche down. Most of y'all don't think about, don't do anything with bonds, and you really should. So I'm really glad that Zach uh, responded to the invite. Glad to have you here, man. This is the second or third time that you and I have spoken, but first on the podcast. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, and uh, I'm sorry it took so long to to get this oh, dude. Uh, set up. <laughs> you are good, my man. I, I'm just grateful that we finally get face-to-face here. So... Uh, I'm going to follow the tried and true method, man. I'm going to start with you and ask some Zach questions, and then we'll pivot to some Zip Bonds questions, and then who knows where we go from there. Now, we're, we'll talk somewhere around the 40 minutes for those of you driving in your car right now or, or just putting your feet up, having some bourbon, sitting uh, here listening to some shop talk. Uh, I don't know where you are, but this is going to be a great call here. So, uh, Zach, give us, the, give us the 411, man. How did you get to this point in your career uh, what did you do before insurance? If that was a thing, I'd love to hear it, man. Yeah. Um, you know, so after college, uh, basically stayed where I was at. I was working in the, uh, retail cell phone sales. If that, uh, uh, isn't the most surprising way to get started after college, I kind of, uh, enjoyed myself probably a little bit more than I should have and didn't have the best prospects. So, uh, where, where was college? Where'd you go? Yeah. I'm a cyclone. I You're a cyclone. I am. All right. Love it. What what did you study in college? So my major was business management, but I had an entrepreneurial studies minor. I guess I'd say I've always considered myself an entrepreneur. I've had multiple different ventures, some you know more successful than others, but it's just always been something that uh, I've gravitated towards. And that was a newer minor at the time. You had to have a, a major, right? So to, to go, there wasn't a major there. But yeah, spent a lot of time doing stuff um, in the entrepreneurial studies options that Iowa State offered, and it was a good experience. Okay, so you're going to college, you're trying to figure out your path, you, you're studying entrepreneurship, which kudos to you for having formal business training of some kind. It's one of my biggest deficits is I've had to backfill and figure it out along the way because I have absolutely no business training of any kind. Probably made lots of mistakes that you avoided because you have formal training. So bravo there, man. Well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't, I, I think, you know, <laughs> it, although you can be um, exposed to a lot of different things, you know, just getting out there and actually doing it is a far better learning experience than it is to 
you know, try to learn from someone else doing it. You can, you can prepare yourself as much as possible, but if you're not, well, I think you've even talked about this, right? Like if you don't put it into action, what's the point? Implementation is everything, man. You can have the best ideas in the world, but if you don't do anything with it, who cares? You don't have any deliverables. No, that's exactly right. But there were some great connections made. I learned a lot. I mean, I'm from a pretty small town in Iowa, so it was uh, a bit of a culture shock and it was good, right? That I got to be around that kind of you know, different types of people and from different backgrounds and just getting thrown into a lot of different things. So I'm really glad I did it, but you know, could have just as easily just jumped into being an entrepreneur at 18 and, and probably been fine. Well, no, no, wait a second. Hanley told me every town in Iowa is small. So what's going on here? Well, yeah, in comparison <laughs> to some areas, probably the case. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, 20, 22, 2300 people small. Wow. Oh, that is small. Like really small. Really small. Yeah. I mean, we're what, 3.2 million people in the entire state in Des Moines Metro is probably half a million or so. No know? kidding. Yep. So the DFW area here in Dallas, Fort Worth, right. and Texas is two Iowas, uh, two and a half Iowas. Yeah. Houston's even bigger, right? So you take that. Wow. I mean, parts, it, it is. And, and I have family down in your area, you know, so you go down there, it's, um, it is kind of a like, wow, there's a lot here. But at the same time, I think most people only live in these suburban neighborhoods. You know, um, I think about last time we saw each other down in down in Arizona, right? We were mm -hmm. getting some lunch before we went over for the first day. And I was talking to my business partner, Ryan. I said, man, you know, outside of weather and a few other things like, you know, professional sports or whatnot, it, everything looks the same. There's always the Costco, the Walmarts, the the Targets. You got your fast food joints. I mean, it, it, it does, your day to day doesn't feel that much different. No, but you know, it, when you want to go do things or whatnot, yeah, there's some some advantage in different places. I also, I, and I've said this before, I just I like Iowa a lot. I, I think we're insulated from a lot of stuff being up here. It's a very different pace of life, and and one of which, uh, in particular, I enjoy. There's definitely something to be said for a slower pace of life and, and freedom to operate, you know, on whatever cadence you feel most appropriate. I certainly feel a lot of pressure here in a, a very large, densely packed metro area to to operate at a, a pretty frenetic pace. And let's be real, I feel my own internal pressures to maintain that same pace. So I'd probably be just as nuts and crazy stacked up if I lived in Iowa. But I mean, props to you for aligning your geography with uh, the way that you want to live, man. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you. And I mean, I, I guess when I was saying more is just outside of work, because here, I mean, we're definitely we still feel the same way. And I think, you know, especially in a post-COVID world, there's, that's kind of, you know, it, where you're at doesn't matter as much, right? So there's, yeah. there's a lot of that you can put on yourself and um, I don't know, but yeah, outside of that, it is, it is something that I enjoy and just, uh, it is a little bit slower. Well, I mean, the, the flip family. side of, of the COVID thing, I mean, yeah, it made work happen just about anywhere, but it's kind of toxic too, right? That now work can happen anywhere and yeah. the boundaries between work life and personal life were pretty badly muddied i would think uh, right. a lot of people you know worked in their guest bedroom it's like well when do you stop working is it at five is it at five thirty? are you going to take that email at 10 p.m uh, wh what are the new rules here post-covid that's it's kind of a complex subject right you're not wrong and, and i think i've always kind of like you know i don't really have a whole lot of hobbies outside of doing business stuff has always just been my even my hobby of what i want to do um but my wife's done a good job of helping me kind of set those boundaries. And, you know, once your kids get to a certain age that you can really go enjoy those things and when they're younger and like really small, it's not, it's not as easy to do that kind of stuff. But my kids yeah. are at a really fun age right now where it makes it easier to, to disconnect and, and just go spend time with them. What does that look like when you disconnect? First off, how old are your kids? And two, like, 
what is what's the Mefford family into? What do y'all get down yeah. on? So uh, eight and six, two little girls, wonderful. Just um, you know, we've been my wife invests a lot in them and in making sure that they're wonderful kids too. So I got to give her credit for that because she's definitely my you know better half in a lot of different ways, and, and that one in particular, which is was really important to me. So I'd say like right now, the thing that's on all of our minds is how how soon can we get out on the lake? Um, my mm. in laws have a have a great boat and. As you know, we've got a, a mutual friend in common who I like to go up and visit as well uh, and get on his boat because the best boat you can have is one that you... Uh, <laughs> you Isn't it great having a friend thing. with a nice boat or You're having right. your in-laws have a boat? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, we get man. up there. That's probably our, our favorite thing to do um, to just relax. In fact, I, I feel like being out on the water is one of the only places I can really unwind. I, I don't know if you've seen it in my social media posts, but I've got this old classic truck that's been in our family for you know, 20 some years. And mm-hmm. that's a, that's a fun thing to do as well. Whether it's just, I do this thing on Saturdays where I let my wife uh, sleep in and I take my kids to go get donuts and I call it uh dumb, dumb Saturday. It was a, uh, a thing I picked up from actually from Nick Ayers. Nick Ayers was doing that with his boys for a while. Yep. I might still be doing it. Donuts with thought, dad. Yep. I thought yep. it was a cool idea. So I, I have implemented it and that's been going on now for years, but we'll, we'll take the truck there when the weather's nice enough to, or just, you know, on a Sunday, just go out for a cruise and stop and get ice cream or whatever. It's just fun doing that. Love it, man. Yeah. That is such an important reminder, man. We work so that we can live. We don't live so that we can work as they say, you know, Correct. I, I always love when someone says something about their family, it, it opens up another line of conversation to better connect with who you are as a person and, and, mm-hmm. and your values and everything. And as a fellow girl, dad, I, yeah. I always love, commiserating with that it's it's something the boy dads who you know if you have a son and not a daughter it's not like you're less of a dad obviously you're still every bit as much of a dad but those little girls just hit different man they do i it's it's hard to explain if you don't have it you know yeah growing up i remember you know uh my mom saying you just don't know what it's like to be a parent to your parents it's hard to explain hard to explain of course you know you're like yeah whatever okay but i mean it's so true and i don't know it does make it harder to find some activities that you can find in common, right? To do that, yep. but you just gotta, you know, it's not about you, right? So we got to find ways to connect and do what they want to do. No, it's, uh, I, I heard someone say it from stage uh, a while back, and I definitely agree. You know, for my son, if my son's in danger, I will kill, maim, and destroy anyone in front of me to protect right. my son. Right. If my daughter's in danger, I will set the world on fire and knock down every tree in the forest with my bare hands to protect that little girl. It's yeah. like there, there's just something different. Yeah, so. that is. Yep. And but I, I enjoy, I enjoyed. I was, I was sad for maybe thirty seconds, and then I just was, you know, really happy to have just a healthy kid on the way. You know, when they found out our second was going to be a girl, because I was pretty sure that we we're going to be done with two, and, and we are. It's great, even though it's different than what maybe I envisioned. Especially since I had so many, I was in so many, so much into sports and auto racing and all that other stuff. And I haven't quite yet had either one of them show a ton of interest in that. <laughs> so, mm. but it is what it is. I mean, I'm just, uh, I just, like I said, it's not about me. I try to figure out how to connect them on what they want to do. Did you have that moment the first time when your first daughter was, I don't know, three or something like that, when she put on her dance dress or a princess outfit or whatever, and was like, daddy, look at yeah. me. And you have that glimpse of, the day of her wedding where you just like flash forward in a moment and think, wow, it's going to be here before I know so, it. So uh, it wasn't the wedding. <laughs> I started going to like, oh man, 
you know, like it, when it's, I went straight to her 16, starting to date, going through that, like that, that's more of the emotions that hit me at that time. But yes, I did have Oof. that. And it was, uh, it still actually does kind of hit, hit a, a certain kind of way. So thanks for adding the, the wedding part to it as well. That's just going to make it, it's going to exacerbate what, uh, what I'm already feeling. <laughs> Man. Now I, I was a wedding photographer for six oh, yeah. years before insurance. And I've, I've been all over the place shooting weddings. One of my favorite moments was uh, a couple that I had come to know pretty well. I did their, the brother-in-law's and the sister's wedding. And then it came time for the other sister's wedding. And they asked me to, to be their wedding photographer. And golly, the, they picked for their father-daughter dance, they picked Butterfly Kisses from uh, Bob Carlyle, which is the absolute worst wedding song if you're trying to not cry at the father-daughter <laughs> dance I'm, I'm really grateful i didn't have a daughter at that yeah. point or i would have been an absolute puddle on the floor but they got to that point in the song where the key change and the bridge happens and the 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 father of the bride turns to the groom and beckons for him to come over there and the three of them dance together and then the father of the bride step slowly steps away and they finish the song where the bride and groom are dancing the butterfly kisses i'm just i'm looking around the room as the photographer Every single yeah. person in the room was weeping, like tears pouring down eyes in the in the whole room. And I'm like, man, that's really unfair, y'all. Y'all can't Don't do, do that. that to us. Like, yeah, no. Oh my gosh. Glad I wasn't there it's for awful. that right now, man. But yeah, it Whew. does. Those all those things hit different when you have when you, kids, but girls especially. And it's uh, just, what do well, you do? <laughs> man, I, I I can hear the 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 crowd saying, "Is this still an insurance, like an insurance yeah. podcast?" like okay i thank you for indulging me hey the hashtag girl dad thing yep. yeah we'll we'll have a a support group later <laughs> okay, on sounds right good the, so you did the iowa state thing yep. and you decide hey i want to do entrepreneurship yep. i want to i want to start a business i want to launch stuff how did we go from i want to do this to where yep. we are now what, what's in between I'll make it a abbreviated version to keep get us back on track with stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I, the whole retail thing was not for me. I just wasn't. But I'm thankful for the time doing it. Um, I think you can learn a lot. Like people who haven't worked in the service industry or retail space, it can be really. I, I think it gives you an advantage in seeing how to deal with people in different situations. So I'm thankful for it, but it was just not for me. I um I I've literally I mean when I say literally I mean I literally sold everything that didn't fit in my at the time 1997 Chevy Malibu. And drove from Iowa to Charlotte, North Carolina with no idea where I was going to live or where I was going to work. I had, I had no idea. I just, I was done. I had reached a point where things weren't going in the direction with the, the relationship that I was in at the time that it works out later, the, 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 not to get ahead of myself. But um, yeah, I, I just went there because I'd been around racing my entire life. I knew that's something that I wanted to do. I needed this kind of like adventure. I needed to get out. I needed to go do something different. So I moved to Charlotte um, and I eventually started a junk removal business. So I had, um, it's Charlotte Junk Guys, it's still out there. And I'm really proud of the fact that it's still running. The guy that bought it from me is still still doing it now some 10 years later. Hmm. But then I you know, started uh, having a talk about maybe matching back up with my what is now my wife, but at the time wasn't really sure. And so she uh, she kind of gave me a, an ultimatum. I either get, come back to Chicago or come back to the Midwest where she got her first job in Chicago try to give it a shot or, you know, it just probably wasn't going to happen. So sold the junk business. I went to, I went to Chicago and I, that's how I got into insurance. I, I needed a job. Um, mm. It started very briefly at a place called Matrix Direct selling life insurance over the phone. That, that's a story Ooh. in of itself. But then um, 
I just knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur again. I, I had to get into business. So kind of like a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, I went the captive route. I didn't know the difference. So I was State Farm Zach with Macaquis in Schaumburg, Illinois. And that was how I got into insurance. Fast forward a little bit, decided to move back to central Iowa to start a family. Uh, ended up taking a job with a company where I was a commercial insurance broker, uh, a producer, and then a brokerage that was owned by an insurance company. And that's where I met Ryan Swald, my, my business partner. And hmm. it was what we jokingly say two and a half of the three years we worked together. I was trying to convince him to leave and start an agency with me. Uh, and May 2nd, 2016, we started Coverage Direct Scratch Agency. We had one kind of promised uh, uh, appointment and nothing else. And we didn't buy a book. We didn't. I mean, the cash flow was so far negative. It, 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 you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't want to do it again, probably, you know, if uh, know what we know now. Yep. So you you start Coverage Direct mm-hmm. with Ryan, your business partner. And I'm going to just skip right over the Big Red chapter. Yep. That it sounds like it was pretty short lived. Huh? Were you were a, a team member, or were you actually a, a an aspirant? aspirant? Were you an yeah, agent? I was an aspirant, an aspirant. And you know, really, if I'm being really honest, the thing that the epiphany I had is at that time I didn't know a lot about um, the independent space, but I was starting to learn more. I was really into Dave Ramsey at that time too, so that probably had something to do with mm-hmm. it. But I remember there was one specific situation where I ended up getting beat by another State Farm agent on this. You know, uh, it was it's something so small. It was like an auto policy, but I was just so frustrated at the fact that it's like, you want me to to only sell one thing, and I have to go out and try to compete against every other you know Tom, Dick, and Harry agency out there. And Geico had just opened up their local office, literally walking distance from ours. You know, so you got all the mm-hmm. directs and everything else going that way. And I said, and then I got That's this great. guy coming in and undercutting me because he's he's changing. You know deductibles or underinsured uninsured motorist coverage just to beat me gaming the system to have an unfair advantage against other state farmers it's hard enough to to sell it when you're selling it why would i want to put myself in that position and and risk you know so i just at that point i just made it in my mind right there i was done i was going to be i wanted to be an independent i wanted to either figure out how to work for one or i was going to start my own um own spot that the, the the opportunity that came first was just it was too good to turn down yeah no, I, I mean, obviously, you know where I stand yeah. on that. It's the different flavors of captive agents uh, are, are very nuanced, of course, and every captive carrier has its own pros and cons. The deal killer for me with Big Red is that you don't actually own anything. You don't. You don't you're a glorified manager. So these people that call themselves, I'm an agency yeah. owner, I'm like, no, you're not. You know, and you're. You're a policy manager. You're exactly right. And, and I didn't know that, uh, you know, the, the story kind of goes as I was, I kept pushing for it and maybe too quickly. And I'm still really good friends with the, the guy that I was working for. I mean, we give each other a hard time all the time, still texting each other back and forth about, especially he's a Purdue alum. I'm a state alum. So when basketball season comes up, we usually have mm. something to talk about. But I remember him explaining kind of like his old contract and where that was versus <laughs> what I would be going into and thinking to myself, man, I can do math. And this doesn't, this doesn't work. I don't, I don't get it, but, um, I do. Did you give him a hard time about Purdue losing to double digit uh, seeds three years in a row for the first time in history? To be honest, dude, no, because it made me, it made me feel really bad for him because I really wanted that for him. I was, I was excited for him. I mean, he's, he's still a friend, you know, I don't, I don't have anything against him and um, his wife worked in the agency as well and she's great. But, uh, Yeah. I, that that when I when I started doing that math in my head, I was just like, "This is not this is not for me." 
No, J.C. Wagaman, who I don't know if you know yeah. him or not, he's a huge Purdue fan. I, I think he's an alum. I'm pretty sure he is. But I was texting him when I turned the game on at halftime, and they were down by like 25. And like, uh-oh, I, what is happening here, bro? <laughs> Number one seed about to go down to a 16 for only the second time in basketball history? Yeah. I didn't even message him right away because I didn't know what, where he'd be at. The next day I texted him and I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? Do you need me to... We got there's a place called Benny's out there. Yeah. And I said, You need me to get somebody from Benny's to run you over something real quick to kind of numb the pain. Oh my gosh. And you know, it, it's yeah. a good strategy. We we have a we have a group text of a bunch of guys that were at a, at an Airbnb together back in Phoenix for agency success back in twenty twenty one. And we call ourselves the knuckleheads and we, we have a group chat and like monthly calls and everything. In that group chat, it was like, Somebody go check on J C man. Okay. I don't I don't know if he's okay. I think he'd have to be alum. <laughs> I don't know how many people would be. Uh, I don't know many people that would be a fan of Purdue. Iowa State's probably in the same category uh, without being an alum or yeah. attached to somebody who is an alum. So probably yep. is. So coverage direct. Let, let's uh, let's get back on the train yep. here. We're we're annoying some parts of our audience, and others just find this terribly interesting and and fun, like I do. So coverage direct comes along, and how does that morph and evolve into what is now zip bonds? Yeah, I mean, so when we left, our the whole thing was we had a CRM and an AMS that didn't talk to each other. And even though I was just commercial producing, I could see the the, the fragmented tech stack and and not understanding why it was the way that it was. So when we left, the 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 goal was okay. First, let's just sell enough stuff to keep the lights on. Right. Um, and then yep. let's figure out how to solve this problem, because I'm sure there's a lot to be gained if we can make all this stuff work together the way that, that it should. Uh, and so what we did is basically the first couple of years, we were just selling what we needed to sell to keep the lights on. I had done commercial um, for three years and, and had been somewhat somewhat good at it. So, uh, you know, that's the majority of what our initial book was. But what we also learned from that time with the company is the power of an affinity, some sort of connection. And, and that company focused on chiropractors. So they did, at the time, it was like 60% of the malpractice insurance sold in the entire country is sold by this company. And, and it's, it's, you know, through agents and through some of the uh, organizations and affiliations that the chiropractors have. And then they just pivot and they sell all the other stuff. And so we said, what can that be for us? Because we're not going to be able to compete if we want to do something. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of like, at the time, it was like an insurion model. We're going to just do small commercial. We're going to pump all that and kind of get into um, that space. But then it just became more and more, we became more and more aware of the fact that we, we didn't get with scale big enough. And so we started looking at for bigger at-bats and most of the stuff turned to, to, to personal lines. And it happened to be that one of the credit unions we were partnered with as a uh, referral partner, uh, we were getting better, more and better leads from them than anybody else that we were working with. And their fourth largest credit union in Iowa, they didn't have an insurance agency. So one day, just being me, I, I walk in and said, why don't you guys have an agency? You know, I'm not trying to get you to take business away from us by, by starting one, but you guys are clearly, you know, uh, following this business somewhere and it just would make sense that you would do that for yourself. And it was just luck timing. I don't know what you want to call it. And they said, why don't you start it for us? Pretty much the, the, I mean, it, is that how it, it went? Was, it was very close to, to that. So they, they were looking at purchasing a book of business and acquiring it and creating their own division and trying to, you know, they didn't really know how to navigate everything about insurance, but they knew they didn't know enough. And one of the concerns from this particular book of business was the guy said, look, 
you know, I, I think this is a great fit, but I don't know if I can run it because it's going to be like drinking out of a fire hose if you're really going to send me all these members right away. And our response was we knew it was going to be drinking out of a fire hose and it was, and we didn't care because we just knew we'd figure it out. And, and we did. Yep. And so that launched in 2020. And with that, the caveat was, hey, if you, uh, you know, give us this opportunity to invest in us and give us the opportunity to build out what we think is this tech stack that we need, if we can hit these certain metrics and we laid out a plan, we want give it to us, give us three years to do it. If we do that and you'll let us white label the same type of a solution for other credit unions, we'll sell you our book of business. That was the, uh, what did I try to say? The plan we put together. For the, the, the deal. To, yeah, the deal. And 23 yeah. and a half months into it, we hit it. We hit exactly what we said we do. There you go, man. So, um, love it. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's why Covers Direct still, we do have, we have a sales and service center attached to it, but it's, it's more or less, uh, just a, a connection for credit unions to create agencies. Love yeah. it. <laughs> that, that's fantastic, man. I, I'm not at all surprised to hear that you're doing that. So many people in this industry are way more than a one trick pony. Yep. So the fact that you have two or three or four things happening, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, right now, all I have is risk well. We're, you know, the book is, by the time this episode drops, the book will yeah. be available everywhere on Amazon and everywhere else. Getting speaking gigs now and taking consulting stuff. It's like, hey, it all goes in the same pot, it man. You know, it, it, it's just building, building impact in lots of different applications of the impact. Yeah. So bravo. Good Thank for you, you, man. And you don't, you don't have to, to do it. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, an agency and that's it. That's what you do. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I think yep. it's because of the way that I am wired and I'm, I'm sure you as well. And there's a lot of people similar to this in our industry, but, but I think what is uh, probably maybe not as obvious to uh, it just gets so much easier to do the second one and the third one, the fourth, because you just, you know how to navigate things. When I see the difference between how long it took us to get things rolling and put together coverage direct versus zip. I just talk about all the time. It's, it's like, it's um, on fast forward, you know, it's just because, because you already yep. know how to navigate so much of the stuff. So I think it's, I think that's why people do it. It just becomes easier. Hey, freedom jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who is it? Right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS a nationwide brokerage solutions. They understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. So let's get into to the current iteration of, of what most people know of, of you for, uh, and that is uh, the ZipBonds name and what you guys are doing there. You have done a beautiful job of blending good tech with great insurance know-how to have a, a compelling value prop for your stakeholder, your customer, which is predominantly independent right. agencies. You guys are, you guys go direct to consumer if they want it yes, that so way. We, so we do. And I always am um, quick to, to point out the fact that that's intentional for two reasons. One, uh, unfortunately not everybody realizes that 
your uh, insurance agent is the one you go to get, you know, a surety bond through. It's just in the, in, the, in the world we live in, I can't tell you how many times we find out that uh, an agent, you know, uh, didn't know that their client was getting their surety bond somewhere else because they just, they'll Google it, they'll look at it, uh, look for it, you know, a trade organization or referral or whatever the case may be. They're just, they're buying their bond somewhere else. And that, and that's one of the things that we wanted to try to reverse engineer is, hey, if they're coming to us directly for bonds and they're coming to us from Dallas, but we have a really great you know, relationship with Riskwell, why aren't we funneling that PNC lead to our great partners who are pushing this up? I wanted a reciprocal relationship there. Nice. And, and the other thing I always point out, I have sat in the shoes of every single agent that's sold. I know exactly what they're going through. I know what it's like to be frustrated with these different things and spend so much time doing something that you might only do a few a dozen or so times a year. And yep. I will yep. never compete directly. I will AOR it to you in our system so fast that it's never going to be a deal where we're competing against them because my passion is helping independent agencies solve problems that I, you know, had myself. That's the reason why both of our businesses existed. Yep. So, um, yeah. And it makes sense why you would say that because I would imagine the day-to-day operating, the, the structure, the systems and processes and workflows, as we call them, SPWs, mm-hmm. th- that are required to be a direct writer, to have infrastructure supporting direct distribution is so completely different and incompatible with what's required to basically be a vendor, a wholesaler for retail agents that are placing business. It could not be more different in the way that you build uh, your mousetrap, as they say. Yeah. And I think, you know, we say this all the time. I think the reason why that we have the perspective we do is because we've been on both sides. We've been on a side where, you know, we're, we're working for a carrier and seeing how that works, we've also been on the independent side, um, even to the point of if people are listening to this and are still working at a captive or a part of a captive, we still understand that side because we, we have that, that, that uh, experience as well. And it just helps us you know, think through. I challenge my team all the time to think about the customer experience. And when I say the customers, it's the agents that we work for and the people who refer to us. Um, and also, you know, directly if, if we get to if we have that client directly or working with that contractor directly. But, yeah, I mean, it's. I hope that that people see the intent and how we did it and why we do it because there was a lot of thought put into it. No, it, it obviously is. And I, I think it is really cool the way that you have intentionally set up the, well, what if we're competing? What if somebody goes to us direct, but one of our agents has their PNC business already yep. and it was just a miscommunication? Or maybe the agent just plain didn't do their job and ask the question, hey, what about bonding needs? What about surety? Uh, who's taking care of that for you? Can we help you with that? It's really as simple as asking the question, you right? You have to, like, in the notes of this, you have to underline, bold, exclamation point, that you, you nailed it. They, they're just not asking the question. That's what it is. They're not asking the question, where are you getting your bonds? Are you, are you bonding work? There's so many things that are already sitting in a book of business that, that are, you know, is a surety opportunity that, you know, it's just a, it's just a matter of asking. And so you're, you're exactly right. Well, and we're just as guilty as anybody else because we do a lot of stuff in construction. We work with lots of trade contractors and GCs and, and whatnot. And our bond book is tiny. It's itty bitty. We do a, we do a fair amount of permit bonds through one of your competitors uh, <laughs> that makes it absolutely turnkey. Yep. But... I mean, they're, they're itty bitty little bonds. It's like, well, 
150 dollars in yeah, premium. And, and I and I, I want to you know address that too because I, I tell people on demo calls all the time. Look, that was not the you know genesis of why we started Zip Bonds. It, it wasn't the, the hundred dollar bonds. Are there. Yeah. If you want to only do one hundred dollar bonds, I will say this on every demo or anywhere publicly. There are there are a couple of really great insurance carriers that are going to be able to pay you more, and they have a great system. If that's all you want to do. Do that, and there's there's things that they're um, incorporating right now that'll help you do it seamlessly, and and there's they're they're great they're great carriers that so just do that. But if you want if you want a partner that is more or less your surety division that helps you get stuff done, especially some of the stuff that you know you may not be a subject matter expert in, but want to be able to compete against some of these other you know uh, larger agencies that that have the resources to have their own surety division, that's who we are. That's it. We want to be your bond division. We want to help you close those bonds for your contractors, those bigger accounts. We want to help your probate attorneys, you know, make their lives easier by providing those bonds in the situations they need it. And then, yeah, we'll also do those hundred dollar bonds for you as well through our, through our platform. But the, the real passion that I had for, for surety when I got into it was, you know, it came from me being a commercial insurance producer, getting larger and larger opportunities and feeling like I was at a disadvantage because I didn't have a surety division in my agency. And that's the that's the the solution we're we're hoping to provide here for agents. So outside of the construction world, where there's obviously almost no end of bonding right. needs, there, if you're not dealing with a trade contractor or a probate attorney or someone in the construction space, where where do you typically see bonds happening? Because a lot of people listening to this this episode and and our podcast in general don't really understand bonds. They might have passed their. their well, I shouldn't say might. They passed their insurance yeah. licensing exam, which has a few questions about bonds yeah. somewhere in there. But bonds are fundamentally different from insurance. And a lot of folks don't sell them and don't really understand them. So where do we typically see sure. bonds outside of construction? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a, even though it's under, it's sorry, regulated as an insurance product, it's really underwritten like a financial product. It's more of a, you know, line of credit or a loan or something like that. But um, to answer your question, I think some of the easiest ones would be, you know, look at uh, janitorial uh, staff. You look at uh, restaurants and bars that sell liquor. They're going to have these liquor tax licenses, uh, license bonds that are going to be on there. Um, you have one thing that I've always tried to bring up is if you see someone say, I'm licensed and, and bonded or I'm insured and bonded. Well, it's just a business services bond. Why, why are we not presenting that option to every single person that's in business to say that they are bonded? It's, it's more or less a crime policy. But it's really inexpensive. It's an add-on. It gives them the ability to say that. There's not a single business that I can think of that that wouldn't, you know, um, have the at least would wouldn't want the ability to say that they're bonded. And and it doesn't have to be a specific niche. So I mean, yeah, those are the ones that probably come to mind as the ones we see most often. But our yeah. our whole focus for the most part has been on those construction, bid performance payment bonds, subdivision bonds, probate bonds, you know, uh, court those types of things. So for, uh, for those not familiar in on audience land, and I have zero intention of insulting anyone's <laughs> intelligence. I just recognize that a lot of people don't do anything in the bond world. And so you may not even understand how to start attacking this in its very essence. And feel free to jump in here with your definition, Zach, a, a bond is nothing more than a third party backed promise to pay for a certain obligation. If something goes sideways, the bond is the protection for uh, the party that is the beneficiary. Uh, is that's, that that's correct? Yep. A good way to describe it. You're 100 percent right. And the way that I like to explain it, yes, a three-party contract of 
being able to um, uh, step in if somebody doesn't do what they say they're going to do. So the easiest way to explain that and the way that I try to, to, to put into the lamest terms, right, is it's a cosigner. That's that's all it is. You know, if you got your first car and somebody, a mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, somebody had to co-sign for you to be able to get that first loan, that's that's what that's what a bond is, right? You're, you're co-signing saying, hey, if this person doesn't fulfill their obligations, if they don't fulfill what their promise was, we're going to step in and make it right. But the difference between surety and then insurance is is they're indemnified to that to that that amount. That company can go back after that person uh, more or less, you know, uh, forever. You know, that's not usually always. I shouldn't say not usually always the way it happens. But the, but they can. It's not like there's a claim and it just goes away and uh, oh tough luck, you know, on to the next one. You know, they're, they they indemnify themselves too, just like you would if you were you know personally guaranteeing a loan. Hmm. Fascinating stuff, man. The opportunities really are almost endless because so many agents literally never talk about this. If you're looking to add revenue to your bottom line, folks, having a conversation with Zach and the team at Zip Bonds is a great idea because the fruit is so low-hanging, it's practically touching the ground already. You literally just pick it up. You add the question to your workflow. Somewhere in your client onboarding or your renewal process, if they're a, a commercial enterprise at all, hey, just out of curiosity, do you guys have any bonding needs, any permit or performance or contract or, or other bonds for your company? Do you have any of those needs? And wait for them to answer. And if they say, oh yeah, we have such and such, say, hey, is there an opportunity for us to help you out with that? We'd love to make your life easier by handling both your insurance and your bonds. And that's it. Then you stop talking and give them whatever right, they need. Just ask. I would say the the one of the easiest ways to get started in any of this is just ask your current book of business if they have that. And you know whether it's a the restaurant bar contractor, uh, you know, janitorial auto dealer. You know, there's so many things, but but people just need to ask the question. And and, in, and along the way, if there's anything that you're confused with, that's where we try to be. You know, that that great partner. And we, we even provide board tracks and. Um, some different ways of like setting those types of conversations up to help out agents, you know, start the conversation. Hmm. Even better. I, I can't think of a, a bigger opportunity to have a low competitive vigor. Like you really don't have anybody else attacking that until you get into the bigger stuff. I, I lost an account a few months ago and you guys heard me talk about it. I had an episode that was simply titled how I lost $50,000 in, in 48 hours. And one of those two accounts I lost uh, in part because of bonding and because it was a roofing contractor who did a lot of commercial roofing. And I was negligent uh, in asking those questions proactively. And my account got poached by an agent in, in our area who's very good at bonds. And that was the entry point. And we didn't talk too much about bonds in that episode a few months ago uh, because it was way off subject. But since I'm sitting here with a yeah. bond expert, I will say part of the reason I lost a very large and profitable account is I didn't close the loop on the bonding question and that gave my competition an opportunity to come in and take my account away. Um, one, I'm really sorry to hear that because I've, I've been in, in uh, your spot and that just, it still stings. I mean, I still feel pain for some of the ones that I lost, you know, uh, eight nine years ago, right? Like I just it doesn't it yeah. never feels good. But to your point of what you just said, you know, and and I don't know your uh, agency's whole setup, um, you know, as as well as maybe I, I should, you know, to answer the question or say this, but you know, th that's where we want to be that partner. We want to be your bond division. We want to help you figure that out, so you don't yeah. have to, to invest in the overhead for something where that might be one of only a dozen accounts that you're going to need that 
you know, um, that subject matter expert here and, you know, yep. and, and work on your behalf to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, you know, ho hey, hopefully we get a chance to, to work with you and others in, in doing that because, you know, that's, again, one of the main reasons why we chose to, to go down and, and tackle this. Uh, it's one of many problems we saw, but it was the one that, you know, stung the most, I guess. So when you, when you say you want to be someone's bond department, does that mean you have some sort of sales team internally oh, yeah. so, where they can flip an opportunity to zip and let zip run it to ground? Yeah. So the, the, the major value prop of that is we have underwriters in, in, in house. So when something comes in, it is being marketed to multiple carriers on your behalf from an underwriter's perspective. So that underwriter, you know, is, is essentially frontline underwriting it, putting it together, the submission and answering all the questions before it goes out to market. And because of that, it, it gives us a leg up because, you know, an underwriter appreciates when the, they don't have to go back and forth 16 different times trying to ask questions. And I would imagine the majority of the CSRs and account managers that are also usually submitting this would like to avoid that whole mess as well because they don't always know what to ask because they don't do it all the time. So our team acts as that kind of, you know, in between uh, on that. And what, what we also do that I, I found really valuable is if a standard company, for whatever reason, isn't going to be a fit for what this, this is, we also represent companies that are uh, able to take on things that are, you know, a little bit more risky. Um, there's usually some contingencies and things that you have to put in place there. But instead of going to, the, to your normal standard market and, you know, taking that decline two or three days later, you know, after they finally get around to it, uh, and then having to, you know, go and try to find a broker, it's all done in house. So the process becomes incredibly uh, faster than what it, the, the normal process would be. So the standard isn't going to be a market we typically know before it even goes out. And then we're just going to go talk to those other markets. But the turnaround time, you know, for me back in the day could be sometimes a week. And we've, we've turned that down to usually same business day, next business day. Um, or if it's something that's a little more complicated, it might be one or two business days, but it's it's still significantly faster than the norm. That's brilliant, man. It is so many people just don't want to mess with it. And the idea of adding something to the list, the idea of increasing complexity or changing processes in their office, it's not attractive to them. But having someone else handle it where all you got to do is ask a question and then flip it to zip and let zip take it to ground. And I'm guessing you have some sort of uh, healthy split in favor of the agent. Yeah, yeah. So we try, we've tried to increase that all the time. But um, right now, you know, it is pretty much a split of 15% that we do for things that we handle everything. We will literally do all the work and still pay your commission. You know, and that's not that stuff that we're doing. If it's something that's in our agency platform. So we have a, a, every agent gets access to a platform where they can submit business online. If they're submitting it and it goes through what we call our select pay print process, you're going to get 30% on that. Um, for anything that just closes there right away, we obviously... And that's 30% of premium, right? Not 30% of the total commission? Correct. 30% of premium, not commission. That's correct? Yeah. Sweet. Because somebody will ask that question. I want to make sure we're clear. Oh, yeah. That. Sorry. The commission... Yeah. For those of you that haven't sold a bond before, the commissions are stupid. They're yeah. very, very high. But the premiums tend to be quite small. So... Well, but that, you're going yeah, to have to... On those, but I mean, you take some of these, like our zip score, uh, small contract program put together... It's up to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars at the moment. That's that that is uh, maybe to be be soon updated. But for right now, we can pre qualify a contractor for the ability to to bond jobs up to seven hundred fifty thousand in minutes. And and that's you know even though you got a fifteen percent on that, those those are three percent of whatever that contract is. So I mean, if you get a you can have a few thousand dollar premium pretty easily, you know. And some some of these are going up to you know ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars that we're seeing 
it come through either through our zip score program or through one of our other carriers. So again, not a lot of work on the agent's part and still a decent amount of, of commission that can be generated for, for doing it. And we'll walk you through everything, including how to find mm -hmm. them. It's about as easy as that, folks. Anything else you want to hit on before we wrap this thing up and land the plane, Zach? I, I feel like you've done a great job giving us uh, actionable intel on how to add bonding to what we're doing. And this is not just for you know big commercial shops or, or folks that are well-established in commercial. If somebody's dabbling and trying to figure out, okay, how do we do commercial profitably in our office? How do we find our way you know, into certain verticals? You guys are happy to answer questions and get someone educated on Bonds 101 type stuff, right? Absolutely. In fact, I spend probably more time than I should getting in those calls to it because I just love doing that. That's 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 one of my favorite things to do is just connect with a, an agency owner and walk them through everything that I know and try to help them out in any way I can to get them um, and go and make them successful. So, yeah, happy to do that. I do have a question for you, though. I can leave it at, leave it at this. I I'm curious, okay. how many times have you been approached for somebody saying, hey, man, your voice, like we need you to do this for us or we need you to be on this podcast or this uh, uh, read, start reading books on Audible for us or something. Is that is that something that's ever happened to you? I've had a lot of people say nice things about the voice that God gave me, and I don't think I can take any credit for the vocal cords in my throat. A lot of it is practice. I will say I, I'm on a mic a lot and a lot of it comes with practice and sitting up straight, like my butt's all the way back in the chair right now. I know you can't see me out there in listener land, but uh, posture and, and breathing and all of that, it comes in. I will say the audio book that I, re I recorded, the, the audio yeah. version of Leaving Captivity, that was a lot of fun, but that's hard, man. Yeah, uh, I had to break it up into three different sessions because my voice just plain gave out because doing an audio book and, and presenting and making sure that your voice has that theatrical projection. Yeah. That, that, I mean, you know the sound. Anybody that listens to audiobooks, you know how the reader sounds. They have a certain zhuzh to what they're right. doing. And that was, that was rough. I haven't ever done something where I was reading out loud to that level of, of effort for five and a half, six hours. Yeah. That was a lot. Well, well buddy, you, you've got it, man. I'm surprised you haven't been uh, recruited for it. Whatnot. I listen to myself on these things, and I hate the way that I sound. And I, I hear you. you got to have a – maybe we should coin like the the best voice in insurance or something like that because it's got to be there. The voice of insurance. The best voice yeah. in insurance. That's what I like. Yeah. You, you do whatever you want. There you your go. voice. <laughs> the best voice in insurance. No, I, I'll, I'll figure out something there. I Maybe someday, I don't know. There is. And that being said, if anybody wants to have me come on and be your your voice for whatever, I don't currently have an agent, but we can work something out. I am available for, for talent if somebody wants to book me. So so I get to be the agent now, right? Since I brought this all up, I'll... I'll I mean, sure. Story, man. Uh, if you you bring the gig, you get the fee, man. Let me be Let's you, go. Jerry Maguire. I'd like to do that. <laughs> so does that mean that I have to stand in my kitchen uh, shirtless and yell, show me the money. You got to make me scream it. That's what we're going to do. And we're bringing the goldfish and everything else with us. I want you to show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Good. What a, you reached into the, the pot for that one. What was that? 1996. I think that was, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> man, that, that I, I'm a Jerry Maguire fan. So let me just tell you this real quick here yeah. on the air. No less. When was the movie Jerry Maguire released? Well, look at that. December 13th, 1996. Look at you, trivia, about that? trivia master. Man, I am, in fact, a Tom Cruise fan. I know some people might be annoyed because Tom Cruise always plays Tom Cruise in his movies. 
is basically the same character in every movie. Oh, except for um, one though, and it's my favorite performance that he does. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it? I'm gonna get the name of the, the movie wrong. Tro- is it Tropic Thunder? Oh yeah. Oh. No, it is. It is. Yeah. Come on, man. That's that's yeah. Tom Cruise being. He's like making fun of the idea of being Tom Cruise. Uh, he, I think he even went on record as saying that. I love that. But yeah, I'm, I'm a Tom yep. Cruise. No, he was it. Yeah, it was. That's the one. Yeah, it was in there with with Ben Stiller, and uh, yeah, dude. And Jack I, I rented Black and Days of Thunder. Robert Downey Jr. I re- so this I get dating myself, right? I, I rented Days of Thunder from our video rental place so much. The lady was finally like, "You just should have it. Like you bought the movie." plenty of times like it's wow it's paid for itself dude you, you just take but, i mean i don't even like nascar and days of thunder is a great movie yeah i don't really no. love nascar that much to be honest with you. there's a lot of racing i like and it it's gotten better with some of the stuff that they've done here recently to make other teams that aren't the top few be competitive but yeah for mm-hmm. a while there it got real weird no I, I know this is way off subject but we're landing the plane here uh have you watched any of the drive to survive with formula one stuff on netflix yes Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you're going to start a whole another hour of talking about Formula oh, One. You, you don't want to do that. No, I, I, I have to blame the knuckleheads. We were at an Airbnb uh, last year in, in April of last year. I'd never seen one second of F1. I didn't know anything about it other than there's a thing called Formula One. I knew it existed, but right. I didn't know anything about it. I'd, if you told me Lewis Hamilton, six time world champion, I'd be like, okay, cool. Who's that? Yeah. I had no idea. That is why. (laughs) Yeah, and and now we've seen every episode of Drive to Survive. I I actually watch the races live on Sunday morning at like six a.m. Yep, local time when they're in you know Italy or Belgium or whatever. It's like it's kind of like soccer, right? It is. Like America is the only country that doesn't care about F one as a country. The rest of the world is mad about it. That's changing though. I mean, we now we have three races. We'll have Austin. We'll have Coda. Yeah, uh, Miami, what, Vegas, Miami, Vegas, and, yeah. and Austin, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah. changing. Um, unfortunately, I feel like this year has not done a great job of uh, helping uh, expand fan and viewership through competitive racing. It's not been the best, but what it's the Verstappen show, right? Yeah, it's 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 only yeah it's it's his win unless you know he screws up and then uh, Sergio is going to take it if if. Red Bull still on their game, but I just wish it would be a little bit more competitive than what it is. I am excited to see though what Fernando is doing this year. Seeing that team just do a 180 like that's really cool. I feel bad for Seb because I would have loved to see him have that glory more than Alonso, but it is what it yep. is. And for anybody who's annoyed that we have been so off subject yep. this episode, yep. I'm just gonna say mm, sorry. I'll make I it up to you. It's... I'll make it up to you somehow. I'm sorry. This has just been. I, I love these kind of conversations because it humanizes the people in our industry and mm-hmm. it reminds everyone that we're more than just ro- work robots, you know? If yeah. all we do is talk shop every single episode, at, at a certain point it just gets a little stale, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I'm glad we didn't make it all about too much about, you know, where I came from, what I did. I, I, maybe we can do another one if we can get into some real more nitty gritty, you know, like uh, specific things agents can do. We could, we could do that again, but... You had a list of three. Uh, do you want to save that for the next time? Yeah. You had a that. list of three things that I, I agents can do to increase revenue. Let's do that. I kind of got into it yeah. a little bit anyway, but yeah, let's do that some, another time because I've got some other stuff that we'll hopefully be able to uh, to make public soon that we can there you go. mix into it there. So. Well, hey, you and I are going to be at a few conferences yep. at the same time later this year. Why don't we tag up and do a little mini episode, you know, 15, 20 minutes, a little quick hits thing. 
uh, and we can talk about your three things that agents can do to generate more revenue for their office right now. Yep. And then make some announcements if you want to. I'm in. Let's do it, man. All right. Where do people reach out to you guys at? It's just zipbonds.com, yeah, right? Zipbonds.com. We're in all the social media at zipbonds um, for, you know, Twitter, Facebook. Um, if you want to connect with me and do that, I, I have the most fun on Twitter. You know, Zach Meffer. You're a Twitter guy, huh? I am. I like it. I don't. I'm, I'm that guy, I guess. <laughs> I That is the only platform that I've just never really figured out. I'm not going to be all judgy or high and mighty, be like, well, I don't get on Twitter because I don't believe in it. It's like, no, I just don't understand it. Well, like it's, I was telling you though, different. before we got on here, I don't, I just don't post a lot of stuff and I know I'll, I get told I'm supposed to and all this other thing. It's just not who I am. So I'm not trying to be disingenuous and, and, and be that, but I, I have a lot of really good conversations with specifically insurance folks on Twitter. And I think that's what I enjoy about it. There's, there's a really good space of um, insure tech and insurance people on connected on Twitter. Okay. I, I don't know what else to say on that hey. other than this has been a great episode, man. Yeah. I had a lot of fun, James. Thanks for having me on. Okay. And that's it for the uh, first installment of Zach Mefford. He is the founder and CEO. Uh, sorry, co-founder, Ryan, my bad. Co-founder, Ryan, co-founder of Zip Bonds. He is Zach Mefford. And this has been another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high-quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go 
on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask you, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.